Hey, it's Coley, and you're listening to Still With You. Hey everyone, welcome to Still With You. My name is Coley Browning and I am the host of this podcast. This is episode 27 and I am so excited that you are here. So I have to tell you, God has been doing a little bit of sewing. He's been stitching this seam in my heart where I am having a sincere fascination with people who are able to boldly share their faith. To go along with my real life um, and to follow up episode 25 with my friend Emily Lawless. Today I have Asa Kessler on the show and we have joked about titling this episode Outreach to the Extreme, but it's kind of true. Asa graduated from Highlands College in 2018 and today she's talking about all of her experiences there. It is so amazing how God used her in a dream center. He used her in launching a church campus with Church of the Highlands. Her enemy turned into her best friend, a lemonade stand turned into a life change moment for a friend of hers. Asa has such a huge heart for people, and right now I am really fascinated with people who are very countercultural in outreach. This is my friend that you need to know, Asa Kessler. I am so excited that you're here. And this is so crazy, Asa, because we actually met at Friendsgiving over food. We were just like talking, and you yes. told me about all the things that you're doing in school. So you went to Highlands. I went to Highlands College. In Birmingham. So I graduated at 17, and then I actually wasn't planning on going there. I was going to go to nursing school. I was registered and ready to go, and then something about it just, like, wasn't sitting right. Because I had never wanted to go to school. Like, I never really was, like, wanting to go to college at all, but I knew I needed to. So I was going to go to nursing school, and I was registered, and for some reason, like, when we went to do my first payment, like, it wouldn't go through. And people have been telling me about Highlands College for the past, like, I knew about it for a long time, but it was, like, that week. People had just kept saying, like, I feel like you're supposed to do something in ministry. And so I was trying to have my payment go through, and it kept declining. And I was like, I know that there's money on this card. So I called them. Like, literally like, like a credit card. It was on the computer, so you would type in whatever your credit card. It just kept declining. And I was like, what's going on? So we called them, and they were like, we don't know what to tell you. There is money on your card, and we just don't know why it's not going through, because it's been going through all day for everyone else. So I was just like, okay, God. Were you angry? No, I was kind of, like, relieved. I was kind of like, okay, good. I mean, it was school, so it was a good thing to do, but I was kind of just like, I know this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing, but I need something to say, like, stop. So when it didn't go through, I was like, okay, now I can figure something else out. So I, the next day, went to Todd Caroline, Yeah. Um, and I went to him, and I was like, okay, I'm tired of <laughs> saying no to what I know I'm supposed to be doing. I was like, so you think Highlands College? And he was like, yes. So I looked it up. And so you guys had been meeting beforehand and kind of talking about this with your kind future. Kind of, yeah, yeah. We had just been talking about because I've known Todd for since I was like nine. Oh, so yeah, he used he, to pastor you like yes, in youth he group. he was the youth pastor at Blue Angel for a long time. So I've known them like in their family for a really long time. And so he had been kind of trying to nudge me into like what to do. And he just like didn't feel like I was supposed to stay in Pensacola. And I was like, yes, because it's where I'm comfortable. And so after all of that happened and I finally was like, okay, he was like, yes, this is the one. Just go apply and see what happens. Like, you might not even get in. Like, just go apply. And this was at like the end of June Mm -hmm. and school started the beginning of August. So I ended up applying 
hearing back four days later and moving like four weeks later. Oh my gosh. So it all happened like so fast, but it was the best decision I made and it was really good. You've told me before that Highlands College works a little bit differently than other schools. This is kind of pertinent information for your story. So can you share about that? Yes. Just like how it works. How you get to put on, be put on the different tracks. Yes. So like a normal college, like a four-year program, you have your major. But Highlands College is a two-year college through Church of the Highlands. And so when you get there, you still have a major, but it's not like you would think. Like, it's essentially a track, like you said. So there's a bunch of different options. Like, you can go for students and focus on students, or you can go for worship or, like, pastoral leadership, outreach, or the Dream Center is what it was called at that time. And then there was, like, creative and a bunch of different ones, tracks that you could just go through. And that basically just means that, like, what you pick is what, like, your classes will be geared towards when you get there. So that's how it works. I actually went to go on students' track because that's what I did here with Pastor Todd. I was, like, helping a lot with students. And I was only 17, so I kind of still was a student. So I was like, (laughs) I'm just going to go and do what I know and it'll be great. And student ministry is like a big part of my heart. Little did I know (laughs) what God wanted me to do when I got there. But that's how it works, is the tracks. Share how you were in students and then you got pulled somewhere else. That's like one of my favorite stories. Coming into Highlands College, like you have your orientation day and your first day or whatever. And so my parents were there and they were just talking about like all of the different tracks. And they mentioned this one that I had never heard. There was this girl named Brittany. She actually walked up to me and she was like, hey, what's your name? Introducing herself to me. She was one of the ambassadors of the school. So she came up and she was like, what track are you thinking of doing? And I was like, students. And she was like, oh, that's like what most of the people come in saying. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I guess youth is a big thing. And I asked her what she was in and she said Dream Center. And I was like, what is it? And then she told me a little bit. She said it was outreach. I thought it was planning events for some reason. I don't know why I thought that. She told me that it was an outreach-based thing at the Dream Center, which was essentially a day shelter downtown. And I was like, oh, that's super cool. That's when I started getting interested, just because I had never heard of it before. And so when she started talking about it, I was like, oh, that's really cool. That's something that I should, like, at least check out. After the first week of school, my parents and everything had left, and we had, I think it was, like, two weeks to, like, go to different tracks and, like, try them out to see because once you pick a track, you have to stay with it. And so, so you have a two-week trial period. Kind of, yeah. You okay. get to go, like, you have, like, three days within the two weeks of visiting different ones. Another, like, three days where they come into the school and just talk about it. Three days of visiting and then three days of them coming and sharing what it's about. I decided to go check it out because I went to students once. I was deciding between Pastoral and then Dream Center. And I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to go check it out because I have no idea what it is. And so I ended up going... And it's at this old fire station in Woodlawn in Birmingham, which is where the Woodlawn movie was filmed. Yes, which is amazing, because when I was talking with you originally about this, I was like, I went and saw that movie, and it was amazing, and I loved it, and that is so crazy that you were there, like, actually there. It was crazy when I got there, because I was like, oh, that's, like, where that was filmed, and that's where all this happened, and and all of that. a lot of historic change change occurred there. so much happened there, which is so cool how just, like, God works in Mm -hmm. that. The Dream Center is directly across the street from Woodlawn High School. Like, if you're standing at Woodlawn High School looking across the street, it's this old, it's beautiful. It's an old fire station that Pastor Chris, he partnered with Dr. Record, who was in the church that just had this, like, stirring in their hearts to do this for the people of the community. It's essentially a day shelter during the week, so people in the community that are either, like, experiencing something like homelessness or battling addiction things like that can just come and they, there will be like a message that's either played or someone will speak. There's worship. They can 
have a meal, they can take a shower, they can come in and get pastoral care for like if they've just gotten out of prison and need next steps on how to get a house or a job or if your house just burnt down and you have nowhere to go, we can just help provide them with different avenues, which I knew none of this going in. Well, I just think it's amazing that you were like 17 and you're being like educated on how to deal with these like major adult issues. Yes, and it was nothing that I had ever even like really thought about doing. I felt out of place until I like stepped on to like the lawn of it. That was like one of the craziest moments. The lawn of what just the dream 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 center. center. Yeah, there's like this beautiful like front lawn with like this big tree and I just remember like we got out of the van we had a bunch of us taking a tour or whatever and they took us around the community so they showed us like different housing authorities we went and they would tell us like testimonies of different people that had experienced life change through the church and through the dream center that lived in those areas and I just remember like I stepped out of the van and someone looked at me and they looked at my face and they said Ace is not leaving and I was like oh my gosh talking about like I was like I'm I'm here just like you are we've been here 30 seconds (laughs) and he was like I'm telling you right now that you're gonna stay here and I was like okay well we'll see like I haven't met anybody yet we walk in yeah it was prophetic (laughs) no it was so crazy um we walked in and there was this family there and they were the first people I met and the mom's name is Mama Mo and she's got like a million kids. <laughs> so many. Mm-hmm. But they're the sweetest family. And she has this little girl named Sharon. And she clung to me all day, which was so funny. Like, I don't know this little girl. She was, I think, three or four at the time. And she just would not let go of me. And someone pulled me aside, one of, like, the pastors of the Dream Center. And they were like, this may not mean anything, but she doesn't like anybody ever. And so the fact that she's, like, clinging to you like that, I think, is something that, like, you should take into consideration. Which I didn't think anything of it. She's a cute little kid. She wants me to hang out with her. That's so fun. But he was like, no, this is like a God thing that she's even out and about when people are here because normally she'll just hide or whatever. Mm. That was just something that spoke to me just because I was like, all of these kids are so precious and they just need a buddy. Like they just need someone to play with and hang out with. I just can't get over how God uses children. Even at that age, they have no idea of the concept of the Holy Spirit. She altered your life course. Oh yeah, she changed my life for sure. Yeah, she's amazing. That whole family is amazing. So from that, and then also just different people, like, speaking into me, like, God is, like, telling me to tell you, you need to be obedient, like, in what you're feeling right Mm -hmm. now. So I left there, like, so overwhelmed. I was like, okay, God, like, what do you want me to do? I had a third day, because that was, like, my second shadowing day or whatever. So the third day was next week. It was going to be the same thing, the same exact thing we just did, but I went again. And I went, and I was like, I can't leave. (laughs) I met so many people from the community that day, and I was like, there's no way I'm, like, walking away from this. That's how I got there. I just can't get over it. You had this plan, and then all of a sudden, God just opened up all of these doors. What did you feel emotionally when you just, like, started that path? Well, a lot of it is I was kind of in a really big thing of learning what surrender was. I like to know what's in front of me, which I think everyone does, When I was leaving home, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to students, I'm going to do this, I'm going to work in youth ministry, like, the end, done. So now I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I I met these people, and I know I'm at this amazing place, but one, I don't know anybody here, like, I'm in a new place, and I have no idea now, like, what my day-to-day is going to look like. So I was in a lot of, like, okay, God, I hear you telling me, so, like, it's yours. So a lot of surrender was one of the big things I was feeling. But I also was really, really excited. God, you've got something huge here. And I'm ready to see what it is. So I really had to make a decision at the beginning. Like, 
I'm just gonna jump in with both feet and see like what he has for me. So it was a lot of like anticipation and excitement, but also kind of like, okay, this is a lot of unknown for me. What was one of your first steps of where you're like jumping in both feet? At the Dream Center, you also have different tracks there. So once you get into the practicum, that's what they call the track, you get to shadow all of these different tracks within the Dream Center to pick which one you wanted to focus on. So there was like kids where you could focus on our kids ministry within the Dream Center and Woodlawn, which is the campus that is across the street Mm -hmm. of Church of the Highlands. Or you could do pastoral care, which is like walking through people that just need assistance, whether it's like they need help figuring out how to pay a bill or housing or things like that. And then there's one called the cafe, which is what I said, I will never do that. I was like, I'm not doing it. No, 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 no. That one is the one where you're most out front with people. Is it just like a lunchroom or is it like an actual So ca- they call it cafe, shop? but it's where, that's the day shelter part of it. So okay. that's the part where the doors are open. You're dealing one-on-one with the people that are coming in that need a shower, need a meal, need anything. They get food. So that's why it's called a cafe. And like they sit at the tables and we either play a message or that's when someone will come up and speak or share a testimony or something. And I did it one day and I hated it. I was like, there's so many people I don't know. I was just intimidated. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to do something behind the scenes. And then I met this lady named Tori, and she's one of my mentors now. She's amazing. But she is one of, if not the most joyful person I know with people. She's like the smallest, most petite little thing, but she's the most unafraid person I've ever seen. That's you though too, Asa. It wasn't though. Like that was not, I've learned a lot from her. (laughs) I was like, that sounds a lot like you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But it took a long time to get there. I met her and I was like, I need to just get under her. There's a lot that she has to offer and to teach me. But she, I found out later, was over the cafe fully and I was like oh god you sneaky little guy (laughs) I was like okay I ended up going back to cafe and I was just like okay I know that I'm called to here and I know that I'm supposed to be under her so I was like if that means the cafe like that's what it means I had to literally let every fear go out the window and just one day I was like I don't know what I'm gonna do and then the next day I was just like okay I'm in it cafe is my thing of course ended up being the thing that I loved the most out of the whole what did you love about it like what is it now people The power of a testimony is the most amazing thing you could ever hear. And so there's so many people that walk into there that you're just like, how'd you get here? Mm -hmm. Like, what is your story leading up to now? Like, just what brought you here? Because there would be, on average, 50 to 70 people a day coming in from this one little part of town. And they would bring their families or they would come alone. And for the people that came alone, I'm like, where were your families? Like, how'd you get here? How'd you get to Birmingham? Like, how'd you get to this spot? And so hearing people's testimonies... Seeing them from the beginning and seeing them grow and, like, learning their stories and testimonies was my favorite part. Will you emphasize on that, that people do change? One of the things that I feel, and I've talked to other people, is that when we see people who are in need, and it's a stigma, and it's untrue, Mm -hmm. that they don't care about themselves. Yes. Yes. And that, I think, is something that, it's a stigma that I think everybody just, it's it's a thing. I was going to say, it's untrue, though, because you saw change. it's not true at all. That was one of the most impacting things of my time there, and this is going to sound like really weird, probably, but I was so drawn to the big, intimidating, like, scary guys in the Dream Center, because they would come in so closed off, so, like, I'm tougher and scarier than you, and I was like, you're not. Like, I was like... (laughs) You're just a person that needs to be reached just like the rest of us. You're just going to be a little bit harder to crack. And so I remember, like, this one guy. I'll just tell this story because his life Yes, has do. Anything so that much. you want to share. Um, his is one that has impacted me for the rest of my life. His name is Mr. Doe. He didn't want us to know his government name. But his name's Mr. Doe. And I had noticed him before, but he was a guy that would come in by himself, sit in the corner, 
eat his food and leave every time. Wouldn't say a word, didn't really listen to the message or anything like that. And he kept coming in. Every time he'd walk in, like, I would just feel something like, he's next. Like, I need you to go talk to him next. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, you have to give me an avenue to talk to him. You have to give me something that's going to draw him in more than a plate of food. Sure. One day, he walked in with the tiniest little puppy I've ever seen in my whole life. And he was smiling, and I don't think I had ever seen him smile. And he was smiling, like, ear to ear. He's this huge, big dude. And I was like, Mr. Doe, like, where'd you get your puppy? And he was like, oh, I rescued him. And And he went, and he took him in the corner, and I was playing with the puppy. And then he sat down, wouldn't talk, and I said, no, 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 like, this is gonna be it. This is gonna be the thing that we get him with. We got, like, a bucket or something. We gave the puppy a bath, went out, and we bought him some food. And Mr. Doe was like, I really hate to ask you, like, for anything. I don't have food myself, let alone something to feed the dog. He said, but this is what I needed. He was like, I really needed just someone. He's got nobody. He lived in an abandoned house by himself, and so he was like, I can't lose this puppy, he said, because I've lost everything else, and this is something that, like, I need to hold on to. Yeah. So I was like, all right. That day, I went to Tori, the woman that's over it, and my roommate, and I said, we've got to take this puppy to the vet, and we've got to get him his shots, and we've got to get him his food. The next day, we took him to the vet and got him, and even from, like, that day, he was just, like, a different person. We were just watching him, and he said, I haven't been to church in 20 years, he said, and I don't plan on going. He was like, I just need you to know that right now. Like, you're not going to get me in church. And we said, that's fine. Like, you don't need to come to church. We just, like, want you. For, like, a month or so, we just kept pouring into him and the puppy. Like, we just kept being like, how's the dog? Like, that was the thing was, like, how's the dog? How's he doing? And he became, like, our mascot for the Dream Center. And we got him, like, a little t-shirt, like a Dream Center t-shirt. And we put him in it. And he was, like, getting bigger. And he had gotten his shots and his food. So he was doing great. And Mr. Doe was just a changed person, but he didn't know what it was. Like, he didn't know what was changing him. Mm -hmm. It conveniently fell around a time where we do our serve day, which is, like, our one big outreach of the year for Church of the Highlands, so it's, like, massive. It's huge. Tori and my roommate, Brianna, and I had decided that we wanted to do a cafe outreach as well because we wanted to put the members of the cafe in a role of leadership so they feel like they can lead because a lot of them have given up on their potential. They just don't realize they have a purpose or a potential because their life is so mundane. It's the same thing all the time, so they just kind of survive, and that's the only really drive that they have Mm -hmm. is to keep living. And so I was like, okay, we're going to do a project. So we decided to do a lemonade stand on the corner of Woodlawn. And it was the cutest thing we've ever done. They, like, made lemonade signs and, like, drew little pictures. And they, like, made the lemonade. That morning, God just kept telling me, like, to put Mr. Doe in charge. And I was like, I don't know, God. Like, I don't know if we can have him in charge of the whole crew because, like, we need someone to, like, lead this team. And then I just kept feeling, like, this drive. And I was like, okay, like, we're gonna let him do it. And so I went to Brianna and Tori, and I was like, we've got to let him head this thing up. And we were all kind of hesitant just because he wasn't a people person, and he was leading this whole team. And I said, but God's telling me to do it, and we've got to just do it, because I feel like something really big is going to come out of this. And it's something so small, like, it's a lemonade stand. But I went to him, and I told him, and he was the happiest person I've ever seen in my whole life. He had that thing up, and he ran it like it was his job. He was playing with all the kids because he's got a couple kids that just don't live with him. And so he was just a different person leading this team. We walked out towards the end and he wasn't there anymore because all the lemonade was gone. And I was like, oh, did he go home? Like he left, man. And I rounded the corner and he's like making popcorn out of the popcorn machine, like <laughs> handing it out to the kids. And I was like, how'd you get here? And he was like, well, no one was like running it. So I just decided to do it because oh, now I feel gosh. like I can. He was like, the lemonade stand went well. Like, why not try something else? And I was like, okay. So he ran that all day. The next day, 
was a Sunday, so it was church. We had been inviting him every week up to this point. This had been all together. You just kept every week, you just say something. Yes, this had all together been like probably a three-month process. But you have to be so careful with how you do it because I was like, I never want him to think that we're only talking to him because we want him to go to church. Like, that's not the intent at all. It wasn't like an everyday thing, but I would just be like, hey, you know, tomorrow Sunday, like, I'll be there. If you need a place to be, we'll be there. And he'd be like, like, I'm not coming. (laughs) I'm not coming. I'm not coming. So the day after our serve day and he did the lemonade stand, someone pulled me out of first service. They were like, you have to come see who's here. Come into the lobby and he's just standing inside the door holding his puppy. Like he didn't want to walk in, but he was standing inside the door. And he said, this is the first time I've stepped in a church in like 20 years. And I was like, oh, well, what made you decide to go? And he said, you guys didn't give up on me. He said, so who am I to give up on God? Mm. And I just will never forget that he was like, you didn't give up on me. You kept asking me. He was like, so who am I to like give up on y'all and not at least like give it a chance? Wow. Not only did he come to church, but he gave his life to the Lord. He went through our growth track of like next steps and he got on a team. He was like on the greeter team. And he's like a completely different person. He went through a recovery of some sort to help him just get next steps on how to stay clean and how to stay in a healthy lifestyle. And he's leading all of the guys on the street in the situation that he was in. He's leading them. He's telling them they're all coming to church. It was only like three weeks after he had started coming. Our second service, I turned around and the back three rows were full of all of community members from, yeah, from Woodlawn that had never come before. But because he came, they all decided to come and he invited them all. So now we have like a whole crew that comes every week all because Because of him. Yeah. He just needed someone to talk to. Like he needed someone to care. And we took his puppy to get the shots that he needed. And he was like, I've never had someone care about something so small, but so big to him. He never thought I was going to change his life. We never, I mean, it was a puppy. Now his life is completely changed. What was this doing within you? Like, I know you had gone from where you're like, this is what I'm supposed to do. But When you're starting to see stories like this unfold right before your eyes, how is your life changing? It's just so humbling to see, like, I'm just like, Jesus, you care about the details. Like, the details that you care about are so intricate and so amazing. And, like, who are we to be used as vessels to see this life change? And it's so funny because I was listening to your podcast with Emily Lawless the other day. (laughs) Yay. And it was really good. But it's so funny. During Highlands College and even more now, she mentioned it too, like, my biggest prayer has been break our hearts for what breaks yours. Just show me what you want me to see. Just seeing the life change and something so small. I was like, people just need to feel a purpose. And he just needed to feel like he could head something up. It was a lemonade stand. Like, it was lemonade. (laughs) But this man was like, you trusted me with something that no one ever has. The Lord was just speaking very clearly. This is just one person. There's so many other people that just need a friend and just need someone to talk to and to say, like, you do have a purpose bigger than you think you do. So the whole time I was just like, Lord, first of all, thank you for letting me like be a part of oh, it. Oh, that's and, like, beautiful. Thank you for letting me be something that you're using and a tool that you're using. As we're being tools to help speak into these people, like they're changing your life more than you ever thought they would. He's a person that I'll never, ever, ever forget. I still talk to him. When I go to Birmingham, I see him because he still goes to the church. And he's just one that I'm like, Jesus, just thank you for letting me witness it and be a part of it. And that's, I feel like, a lot of my mood at the Dream Center because there were some days that were very discouraging. Yeah. We're not getting anywhere. The mood sometimes, honestly, was just negative because these people, that's all they really know. They've never experienced good or they haven't in a really long time. They would come in some days and it would just be full of fights or we'd have to call the cops to have people removed or 
people just like would not be into the message at all and they'd be like just turn it off and so there were some days that were really really discouraging of like Jesus what do you need us to do differently right now but then there are days like even if you just reach one person that was our biggest prayer too was just show me the one like show me the one person a day that you want me to speak into because it starts with one and then it leads to a lot of other people like Mr. Doe ended up bringing so many people into the church just very humbling and an attitude and posture of just like thank you for letting me be a part Okay, so this question is going to be a little bit awkward because I don't know how to word this without sounding snotty. People just give me some grace here. So like unpack how you would have a conversation with someone who is just so different than you and you feel like you need to speak with them or you feel you were supposed to help them. Yes. For someone who has never, ever tried that before, myself included, I am so very new to like... Before I moved to Pensacola, I never did homeless ministry before. Mm -hmm. It was so different for me because I didn't even know. Like, this is me being very honest. I didn't know how to even talk Mm -hmm. to people. It's so sad because they're just like me. But what advice or just speak into that situation? The first thing that I would say is let go of any pressure that you're feeling to give them Jesus right away. More often than not, they're not going to just want to hear you go into like the gospel right away Mm -hmm. because that's intimidating. And so I would say first off, go into it like you would with anyone else. And also the biggest thing for me to remember is the situation they're in is circumstantial. It's not there forever. We were always taught at the Dream Center and this is something that like changed my perspective forever. We never said like, oh, this person is homeless. We would say this person is experiencing a season of homelessness. Ooh, Um, that's good. Because they're not confined to being a homeless person for the rest of their life. They're just in a season of they happen to be walking through that. Um, I'm going to start using that. Yeah, that changed my outlook a lot. Like, this person isn't an addict. He's experiencing addiction, but he can be set free. Kristen Lipscomb taught me that you don't say victims of human trafficking. Mm -hmm. You say survivors of human trafficking. Yes. That's important. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it was a big mindset change for me. We do put these people kind of in a box of, oh, this is like the homeless population. They're just a homeless person. But no, like this is a person with a story and a background and something led them to be experiencing a season of homelessness, but they weren't always just a homeless person. They won't always be just a homeless person. I really had to remember this is just a person like me walking through a different season. And it's really easy to find common ground, I feel like, when you go into it with that. You can ask them, like, what they used to do or how they got here. Even just telling them, like, you have a really pretty smile. Like, if it's a girl, obviously. (laughs) But, like, something, just find something that, like, they may not have ever, like, been complimented on or asked. There are some people who are on the streets for a season of time that don't get talked to for weeks on end because of the situation they're in. I feel like there's kind of a sense of fear around The situations like that, which is normal if we're not educated on it and we don't understand, like, how they got there or things like that. But I think that for me, because it's definitely intimidating, because, again, when I got there, I was a 17-year-old girl that has lived a very blessed life and is a very different season of life. When I first came in, a lot of them didn't want to talk to me because they were like, "You, there's no way you can relate to me. And I think never pretending that you can. Like, I'll never understand, like, what it's like to be living on the streets. And I'm not going to pretend to, but I do know what it's like to be a person. Yeah, and so, to experience sadness and yeah, grief and, and to pain. experience the feelings, maybe not in the same way, but I do know what it's like to have a bad day. To find common ground of what do you like to do? Do you like to have picnics when you're out here? Like, do you have friends out here? Like, where's your favorite place to hang out? For going into a situation of, like, being intimidated and not knowing how to talk to them, just talk to them like you would anybody else. Like, mm-hmm. start with your name. Start with, like, where you're from. And I'm ashamed another... to even have to ask that question, but no, it's true. No, I was the same way. It, 
it's a very intimidating thing to walk into when you've never done it before and when you don't know what to do because... Well, I'll even say, I remember doing, like, nursing home ministry mm-hmm. when I was a kid and I grew in to be a teenager and it got, like, I didn't know what to do. You know, you <laughs> yes, know what I, I mean? Remember so that. I, mean, like, I remember doing, like, Christmas caroling at nursing homes. They'd be like, okay, go talk to them. And I was like, uh, like, what do I, what do I say? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true with yeah. meeting anybody. Yeah, I think just going into it, in a mindset of this person is not just a homeless person. This is a person with a story that just happens to be in this situation. That takes away a lot of the pressure. Obviously, our goal is to share the gospel and our goal is to mm-hmm. bring people back to Jesus. But understanding that like they see something different in you by the way like you carry yourself as a Christian. And especially if it's a person you know you'll be around. The people at the Dream Center, I was around twice a week, every week. It was easy for me to start with just a smile and they didn't want to come inside because they were like intimidated by all the people like bringing them a plate of food and just starting with that being Mm -hmm. like here's your food smiling saying having a great day that will like create a relationship with them you're showing the light of Jesus in everything you do and obviously it will hopefully lead to a conversation about Jesus but I think that taking off the pressure of okay in this 10 minute conversation I do not have to get them saved right now like that's not my job My job is to show the light of Jesus, and if you don't feel led to say something about the gospel, then don't. And that's God saying, like, just be there for this person in the right now. That's so so good. As I told Emily, I feel like I'm just now in this time of my life, like, stretching my evangelism legs. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of what I'm learning is that the pressure is off me, actually, when I go into stuff and do that. has nothing to do with us. (laughs) has nothing to do with me. Yeah, I do say that a lot, too. That's a good prayer to do is like Jesus take myself out of it and just like have it all be you take my words away and like have only the words that I say be from you that's Mm. a helpful thing too because then you're like okay I don't have to have it because he does yeah (laughs) he's leading the conversation not me can you share about how you got on the team for starting the church in Birmingham so honestly this story is amazing to me like I am so in love with this story how I got there the internship part yeah and just also just how it was a group of people and then well you just tell the story it's yes it's just so (laughs) um after Highlands College the way it works is that's a two-year process and then once you graduate there's an internship process and you are given this list of internship sites that you can like pick from after graduation they gave us this list and I was like I don't feel called to any of these They're all amazing places, but it was just not anything that God was telling me to do. And so I'd actually planned on moving back to Florida in May. I'm not going to stay here for something that, like, I'm not feeling called to. Like, he could be calling me somewhere else, and I just don't know where it is. They, around this time, announced that we were opening a new campus, which was solely outreach-based in the west side of Birmingham, which is very, very different from Woodlawn in the sense that West Birmingham has never really experienced church, and it's a lot of crime and things like that. Something completely different from what I had experienced even in outreach. And so immediately I felt like super, I don't know if called was the word, but I felt like a tug on my heart. You're drawn. Yeah, I was drawn to it and like you should look into it. And I didn't. (laughs) And that was my fault. Like I didn't. Yeah, that was just on me. There's nothing other than I was disobedient. (laughs) Hey, it's okay. But um, I had talked about it on the side with my friends like, oh, if I could do this, I would love to. But I had never taken any steps to do it. It was just on my fault. But I was at the Dream Center one day, and the pastor of the church that was being launched ended up coming, and he went into a meeting with one of the other staff members of the Dream Center. Is this Chris Hodges, though? Mm-mm. It's not? Okay. No, no, no. no. So... Right. I forgot if, like, when, if you ever met him. I met him once, but it wasn't... 
was it yeah, awkward? It was just okay. so awkward. Okay, we don't but have yeah, to talk that about that. That was on my fault. Okay. But I've met him. He's a great guy. So this was the new pastor of the of the new campus. His name is Pastor Mayo Sowell. And he has an amazing, incredible testimony. He got saved in prison and he got out with like this fire. He was the perfect person for this job. Because he was so on fire. He's so outgoing. He'll probably <laughs> yell at me for saying this if he listens to this. But I was so scared of him. Like yeah. I was so intimidated by him in a really good way of like I should be more like that because he's just not ashamed of who he is oh I have people in my life like that yeah that you're like I know that you're on my team but why do you scare me yes like I was so scared of (laughs) him and so and we laugh about that now because he's not scary he ended up going there and meeting with another person like on the outreach team of the dream center and I was like oh like I should have talked to him And they were, like, in this meeting, and they get out, and he leaves. And the staff member of the Dream Center was like, just so you know, like, I threw your name in there. And I was like, what? You did what? And he was like, or I threw your name in there, and so he wants you to email him. And I was like, um, okay. So I emailed him, and he said, well, it's not an internship opportunity now, but we'll look into it to see if it's a possibility. And I was like, okay. I waited too long. There was, like, a deadline for internship, so you had to, like, do it really fast. And in the meantime, this is kind of a side story, but it's a really big part of, like, how I got there, was my best friend, who used to be my biggest enemy, which is so funny to say. This girl and I just, like, did not get along for any reason other than, like, the enemy didn't want us together. (laughs) Um, Because we had been in the same practicum, like, ignored each other. There was literally no reason that we didn't talk to each other other than we didn't. And, like, for some reason, that just, like, created this thing of, we're not going to get along, like, ever. Like, I don't want you around, which is so funny. And so right before the internship process, she texted us and was like, hey, I'm moving into your apartment. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, not this her. Is not going to be good. Like, I was like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, this is my last few months in school. Like, we want it to be great. And she moves in. First month was horrible because of my part, like, not being willing to have a conversation. But one day, this was during the internship process, neither of us knew what we were going to do. None of us knew the plans or whatever. So in the time of, like, me talking to Pastor Mayo and, like, all of this, We sat down and we had, like, a five-hour conversation and just, like, connected in ways, like, we never knew. Like, our our testimonies are super similar. And we just were like, what was the point of that? Like, that was so petty and so pointless. (laughs) But from that day on, we have been, like, attached to the hip. And we did not know that she had also reached out to Pastor Mayo at the same time. It ended up being me, her, and one other person that got accepted into the internship under him. And so I was like, look at God, because if we would have been accepted, like, into the internship together where we were, like, it would not have worked. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of work, and you have to be for each other 100% if you're going to make it. We ended up, us three, getting there, and we got accepted, and that was kind of the short version of how we got in and how it started. So it was a six-month internship, and I learned so much in that six months, probably more than I learned, like, the whole time in Highlands College. Highlands and it's, like, Co- building a church from yeah, the ground up. Yeah, we launched the whole campus from the... And normally, launching a campus is a little bit easier than launching a church because it's already existing. Oh, campus, okay, yeah. Yes, but we decided to do West Birmingham. It's essentially its own thing. It's still a Highlands campus. It's just run in a very different way because of the different people group that we're reaching. You kind of have to. We knew nobody in the community like we were walking into a part of town where we had nothing it really was building and launching this church from the ground up and it was a really 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 cool experience not only because like were we learning to launch a church but also like an outreach based church which was really cool because it was creating relationship with these new people going into these new housing authorities 
when I got to the Dream Center, that was already established. So all mm-hmm. of the people were already there. They had their community. People that came in, but, like, they knew what they were doing and, like, how to run it. And it was already an established thing. In West Birmingham, we had to start from the very beginning. Being there on the first Sunday of campus launch, we had, like, 550 people show up, which is, like, unheard of just in that part of town for people going to church. A lot of people just have a negative thought when it comes to church. So that was a really, really cool thing when they all showed up. But launching the church was one of the coolest things that I've ever done. I learned so much in that amount of time. Going into the internship, the reason it wasn't an official internship, the reason it wasn't on the list, like we learned later, was because there was a really big danger aspect to going to that side of town because we weren't established in that area. Church of the Highlands can be intimidating in a lot of ways because we're so big. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people were like, who are you to think you can come in here and like save us? And like I said before, this is very different from the Dream Center in the sense that a lot of it was violence rather than, I mean, there are people experiencing homelessness and things like that, but this is a lot of violence. There are a lot of shootings. One story that I have actually is it ends in a really, really good way. But there's this guy who started going to the church. He worked at Burger King. And every Sunday morning, we go pick up breakfast from Burger King for people to have on the bus when we are at the church. We kept inviting him to church and he decided to come. And right after he got saved, he like gave his life to the Lord. He was doing great. He was going through our next steps. I think it was right after the last week of next steps, he got stabbed like six or seven times and he was very very lucky to be alive it was very like eye-opening first off it's so discouraging because you're like oh he was doing such great things like he's growing and learning so much and then something like this happens but it also is very eye-opening for me and like this is a real world these are real things there were kids who I'll never forget this one kid came up to me and he said Miss Asa I need you to pray and I was like okay what are we praying for he said that they stopped shooting outside my window because I can't sleep at night Mm. and I was just like Jesus like (laughs) you're so good to us but also like this is so hard to like like what do you say to a kid that just says like I Mm -hmm. need them to stop shooting outside my bedroom window because I can't sleep these kids know more about death and more about violence and crime than you tell me that Birmingham is the second third third yeah the third most violent city in the United States which which I had no idea yeah because I've driven through Birmingham. To me, it's just another southern city. Yes. I had no idea. That's the crazy part is Birmingham, you can go from the nicest, well-off neighborhood and 30 seconds later be in like the roughest part of town. Just crazy to me. I've never seen anything like it, but it's because these people are, they're so lost, they don't know what to do. And so the only thing that they really know to do is violence just because that's what they've been around. My best friend and I were supposed to go pick up something from the church not that long ago. It was only a few months ago. We called up to the school where we have our church and she was like, you can come, but you can't come right now because we're on lockdown, which that's a really, really common thing Mm -hmm. for there, unfortunately. But we were like, okay, come in a little bit. And so once everything was clear, we went up to the church or to the school, which is the church, and we just like asked what happened. And she like pointed across the street and she was like, Right there, this was the um, assistant principal. She said right there, there was a man in a wheelchair, like, coming outside of his house. And he got shot eight times, and he passed away. And it was just crazy, because I was like, that's basically the church parking lot. So this was, like, a really, really eye-opening experience for me of just, like, Jesus. Like, there's so many people that, like, need you, and there's so many... There are so many places that, like, need your light and you're using us. But also, it was kind of scary. Like, we had to be really careful with everything we did. Your words at Friendsgiving when you said, yeah, I do some things that my mom doesn't really like me to do sometimes. (laughs) Mom doesn't know all the stories because I was like, mom, you'd just be scared. But um, 
Yeah, like, there have been a lot of times where we had to leave because someone pulled a gun out, or there have been shootings, like, right in front of our eyes, and so, like, we had to leave. And this is nothing to say, like, oh, what was us? Like, it's so scary, because it's really not. Yeah, and I don't mean, I didn't mean to make light of no, that. No, no, no. But also, this is, like, the crazy thing is never once was I, I was never scared. Never like, scared. it was, and that had to be Jesus, because if anyone else, like, there was one time, my best friend and I were the only ones outside, and it was literally six feet away from us, someone pulled out a gun and, like, just shot in the air three times. Basically, is like a, we're not a fan of you mm-hmm. <laughs> type thing, and I was like, any other time, like, that would be terrifying, because easily he could have just pointed just it at us you, and just yeah. shot us and. Even after it happened, like, I was like, okay, that happened. Like, never any part of me was, like, afraid, which is so funny because I've always been worrisome. Like, I used to worry about everything and be, like, so scared of everything. So, it's, like, really true that, like, God's gonna put you in places that, like, you're supposed to be and he's gonna, like, protect you and give you a peace about situations. When things like that happen, they're devastating. They're so sad, but it also, like, just puts more of a fire in you to be like, okay, like, we have a job to do. Like, But it was definitely a very different experience from coming from Woodlawn, which just people were more receptive to it and more open, but dealing with things like addiction, whereas, like, this was like a we're not open to you, we're willing to do whatever it takes to show you that type yeah. thing. Well, I don't know if anyone's told you this before, but thank you for going to school there. Like, thank you for being <laughs> obedient, because I know that you were on the receiving end of your education, but me being your friend and getting to hear this and kind of getting fired up and excited about what God is doing to kind of have that reality check of that. It's not all about me. Yeah. Thank you for putting in the work just so we can, because I feel like you, honestly, it feels like you've been to a foreign country almost. Which is so funny. We've said that before. I was like, it's like a mission trip every day. Which, it was like, a, yeah, two-year mission trip that yeah. you went on, or two, na- two, two years and six months. Yes, which is also like, something God showed me, like, is very eye-opening and, like, it's in your backyard. Which missions are amazing, and I loved going and doing missions, like, out of country, but it's also so important to realize that missions are in your backyard and, like, there are people all around you. Should everyone know where their dream center is in their city? Do you think that's that's crucial to know? As being responsible people, are we, is the community not doing enough? Like, should we be aware of what's happening? Yes, going into your community is so crucial and so needed and so important. And I think that we should all be aware of serving opportunities for serving the community, whether it's a Dream Center or like an outreach project. We have an amazing ministry at the church for outreach that I think we have like a homeless ministry and a street team. And I think everybody should be aware of the opportunities and be serving whatever capacity they feel called to, but also I know that some people don't feel called to that certain people group, so I think it's really important to understand that, like, just as important as it is for us to be going into the community, it's just as important for you to be reaching the people all around you, whether it's at work or at school or things like that, because those people may be in different clothes than the people that are experiencing homelessness, but I promise you they're just as broken, and they need to be reached just as much as the next person. The only difference between people, like, battling addiction or on the streets and, like, the people that we're around is their living situation, really. Like, everybody needs someone around them. So, yes, my short answer is yes, everyone should be aware and we should be doing more, but I think we should be doing more in every place that we're in. That's good. Okay, so you graduated, and this part of your story, I'm going to be honest, it's just really vulnerable and cool. I feel like we're going to get to see how it plays out, but can you share why you're home? Yes, it was something that took me a while to be okay with. (laughs) Um, That's why I asked before. (laughs) Yes, no, you're totally fine. I need to be okay with talking about it because it's still something I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm still trying to see. Let me tell tell everyone that we are recording this in February and we had this conversation in January. So it has a timeline with this. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. 
I did not understand what was going on, because when I tell you that when I left Florida, I was like, I'm never coming back. Like, I was like, I'm staying either in Birmingham or somewhere else, but, like, I did not see myself coming back. Like, zero on my radar, like, I was against it. And I'm, like, doing this thing that I've never loved more. Like, I'm in this internship, and I'm like, I have never felt more, like, in my calling. I've never felt more passion and more drive than anything. And all of a sudden, like, God starts saying, like, you're going home. And I was like, no, like, I'm loving what I'm doing, so I don't understand, like, why you're trying to, like, pull me away from this. But it wouldn't go away. And I was like, okay. I said before I was originally going to go home in May, just because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So once the door opened and I did know what I wanted to do, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to stay here. This is what I'm doing. And I kept feeling like he kept saying I was going home and he kept saying December. And I was like, Jesus, like, this doesn't make any sense. Meaning December 2018. 2018. Yeah. Yeah. So this past December. And I was like, Jesus, this doesn't make any sense. Like the internship was originally supposed to be a year. So it was supposed to go May to May. And I was supposed to have my apartment May to May, my lease. And I was like, what's going on? Like, I don't know what's happening. I kind of put it to the back of my head because I was like, okay, December's in my heart, Pensacola's in my heart, I couldn't tell you what's happening, maybe Christmas break is gonna be really good, like, I was like, okay, we'll see. I could not get it, like, out of my heart, and my best friend was like, hey, so, like, that doesn't make any sense, like, this goes to me, like, you can't leave in the middle. And that was one thing that, like, my mom encouraged me because I almost was like, am I just supposed to leave, like, am I supposed to end this internship? And they were like, you need to see whatever you're in to the end. If that means you don't come home in December, that means you don't come home in December. And I was like, that's fine, because I don't really want to come home in December. I was just praying through it, kept doing West Birmingham things, kept doing it, and all of a sudden, I moved apartments, like, kind of unexpectedly, but it ended up changing my lease to December. So my lease was up in December, and I was like, well, now I have to find somewhere to live, because the internship goes through May. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Which would freak me out, by the way. It would, I get crazy when I don't have a plan, which... God's working on me, I'll say that. Yes, I was, that's like, what I was about to say. Jesus worked on me because <laughs> my mom's a very big planner, so I was like a very big planner, but now I'm much more, I would almost rather just be like, okay, what's the day hold? But that was just like what God has done through me. But I kind of was like, uh, because this was probably, I think this was like August or September that I knew that my lease ended in December. So I was like, okay, so I have a few months, but I wasn't really panicking because my best friend who was in the internship with me, her host home was like, you can move in with us. So I was like, perfect. I have a place to go. And then it was like this like thing on my heart where I was like, why is December like so heavy on my heart that I'm supposed to be leaving? And I didn't understand it because I was like, Jesus, the internship goes through May and I'm not quitting. Like, I'm not going to quit what I'm doing. Literally the next day, <laughs> we get an email that says, hey, just so everyone knows, we've decided to shorten the internship to December Mm. so that you could choose to either resign and do another one. So basically they took the year and like split it into two semesters. So you can either stay for two semesters or you can only like finish that one. So it's still completing the internship, but you have the option of going back. And I was like, (laughs) you're kidding. (laughs) I was like, okay. So my lease is now up in December and our internship is now up in December. And I said, okay. So obviously like I'm supposed to go somewhere in December. I said, but like I have to go somewhere where I have a job. If I was coming here, I knew I wasn't supposed to go back to doing what I was doing before, which was just, like, nannying, and I, like, worked at Chick-fil-A because I was in high school. So I was like, okay, like, I'll come back and I'll be obedient. Not saying I'm better than, like, working at Chick-fil-A, but I was like, I I just feel called to, like, more than that right now. After leaving what I was doing, I was like, I need to do something that's, like, driving me and giving me purpose. I posted on Facebook randomly that I was coming home for jobs, and I meant really for, like, nannying jobs just while I once I got here so I could look for like another job yeah and I ended up getting a text 
I had been talking with my best friend that day. I was like, hey, start praying that like a job comes up if I'm supposed to be leaving. Literally that day, Kristen Lipscomb texts me mm-hmm. and she said, hey, are you still looking for a job? Would you be interested in one at the church? And I was like, I like threw my phone. Like I was like, <laughs> okay. Like, I was like, like, God, you've got my attention. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like now I need to listen. It was so crazy. And we started talking and she said, can you be here before Christmas? At this point, some time had passed since I figured out the internship had, um, was ending. So this was probably like, I think the end of October, beginning of November, where she was like, would you want to come on before Christmas? Which means Mm -hmm. mid-December. The way it worked out was our internship was officially done like December 20th or something. And I ended up moving December 14th so I could start on the 18th. So, which that was fine because we were going on Christmas break anyway. So it landed on Christmas break, which is when I ended up leaving. And I will say that leaving West Birmingham and like leaving Pastor Mayo and the team of people there... They were, like, the family that I didn't know I needed during this time. I've moved my whole life, but leaving them was the hardest thing that I've ever done. Um, really? Compared yeah. to all those moves that yes. you made? Yes, and I think leaving the community. Like, there's this one family that's, like, so, so close to my heart. Her name's Taffney, and she has seven kids. She is a single mom, and they live in the worst hotel in Birmingham, and so it's just not good at all. But they have become, like, so, so, so close to my heart, and her girls have changed so much. And I actually got a message yesterday, this is a good thing, but just seeing, like, people's transformations is crazy, but I actually got a text two days ago, and it was like, hey, just wanted to let you know that, like, Taffney's principal asked the church, like, what we're doing with her kids, and we thought they were in trouble, like, they're like, what are you doing with Taffney's kids? So we're like, oh no, like, what happened? And they're like, they're different, and they're changed, and, like, they're changing their school, and we want to know what you're doing. So that's a really cool story. There are just these people that get so close to you, like, they're my whole heart, and they, like, don't have family, and so, like, I'm from a big family, so I missed having, like, all of the kids around. So there are sim- six of us, so I have five younger siblings. And so Taffney and her having her, like, six little ones, I was like, oh, this is like being home. But Is that the so family funny. that's the background on yeah, your phone? Yeah, they're my background on my phone. <laughs> you shared an Instagram story the other day that had a, it was a song, and I was looking at the people in the yeah. back. I was like, I think that that's that family yes, that she it loves. Is. They're so, they're my whole heart. <laughs> She still texts me, like, every other day, and she's, like, praying for you, like, and it's just so cool to see these people that never would have said anything like that, like, say that they're praying for me. That's been the coolest thing of, like, y'all are rooting for me. All that to say, it was not easy. I was excited because I was like, okay, I'm coming back, like, where my family is, I miss my family a lot, I'm coming back to the church I grew up in, but I was like, okay, (laughs) like, now what? Because I'm not doing anything outreach-wise, which has been really difficult for me because I've missed like the people aspects that has been really hard but it's also been a really good learning and growing opportunity the whole point of this was when coming here I was like okay I don't feel like I'm supposed to be here forever and God just keeps saying to me give me a year so that was December so come this December we're a month and like a couple of days (laughs) in we'll see what it is it has been cool to see like how I've already like grown and changed a lot. The job that I'm doing, it's a it's an amazing job. Like the people at the church are amazing, but it's very very different from what I was doing. So it's been cool to like learn different mm-hmm. aspects of ministry because I need to be equipped in other things. If I plan on staying in ministry my whole life, I can't only know outreach. And that was my focus for three years. So I was like, okay, it's really good for me to like learn different things. And I'm surrounded by amazing people and people that have been around me since day one. And so it's been really good. But I'm excited to see what this year like holds. You're a unique case because normally when people are sharing, which we you did, you just shared everything of amazing what happened. We saw the outcome mm-hmm. of you didn't know what was going to happen when you showed up to Highland College and mm-hmm. then God unpacked this place in your heart that you didn't even know was yeah. in you. After this two years and six months later, you're kind of at this like weird place of where you're like, okay, God, like I know you're here and you're moving, yes. 
but this doesn't look like anything. Right. And I think there is something so honest about you even talking about that. I am kind of at a weird place with that too. Like, I don't know what I'm doing really in my life in some areas. This is weird. I know you're moving here, God. This is not all how I thought it would be. But there's something so unique that you're you're talking about this not knowing what's gonna happen yeah you know I what like i mean I'm starting over mm-hmm. and which is so funny because like the whole time like you're in college or you're like okay this is prep for like what you do after college and i'm like okay i'm here mm-hmm. <laughs> like, i'm doing something completely different but i'm excited yeah and that's <laughs> all we can say is we're excited and we're pray- we're praying and yeah. no matter what god is so good yeah i don't have to know because you do like i'm just gonna be faithful yeah. in the season i'm in and We'll see what comes next. I'm so glad that you and I connected in January because now I can like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to watch, like I can watch and I can pray and I can, and I know, like I do know that you have shown like so much obedience that it's like from the credit card not being able to go, <laughs> right. like you could have really just gone and got another card and be like, I'm doing this like yeah. my way, even though you knew, you knew what God wanted. And I think yeah. he's just going to honor that. Thanks. I'm excited. Yeah. It's been it's been a wild, like, when I tell people, like, how long I've been gone, I'm like, it does not feel like it's been, like, three years. Like, it went so fast. Yeah. It was all, like, such a blur, but I'm grateful for it, and I'm grateful that he knows better than we do, because if it were, like, my choice, like, I wouldn't. Like I said at the beginning, like, I didn't even want to go to school. I would be fine nannying for the rest of my life, and, like, not doing anything. So I'm grateful that he knows better than we do, because going away and, like, following his calling has, like, changed my relationship with my family and with people around me. It's changed, like, I'm a completely different person than I was before. Like, that's been amazing, because I was, like, a very angry person. I was a very, like I said, like, worrisome person. Like, I was a very anxious person. Once I think, like, I fully surrendered it, and I was like, okay, God, like, I'm just, I have no other choice other than to step into your will, because doing it my way isn't working. (laughs) Once I did that, it's really cool to see, like, God move. By the way, you're a podcast pro. You've been on three others, right? (laughs) Yeah. When I first approached you about this, I was like, okay, so this is how it's going to be. You're like, oh, yeah, I've been on three other podcasts. I was like, okay, wow, that's amazing. So we're going to put all those links for your other episodes. Uh And everyone, please go listen to that because there is a story that you held a prom at the Dream Center. And it is honestly such a cool story. Too much to unpack, so just... Put it in your queue yes, of podcasts. You need to listen to that one. That was the one of the best nights of my life. That's yes. so cool. Okay, so the podcast is called Still With You. I want to know, where is God still with you, Asa? He has been so faithful to me and has just shown me that he's still with me in, in everything. And so that's been so good for me to learn. But even in the crazy, even in the chaos, even in the transition, like he is still the peace that you can't bring on yourself. He's still good. He's still there. It's so cool to think of Jesus literally up in heaven watching you, like, opening these doors for you that, like, you've been trying to, like, unlock for so long on your own. And he's just like, you need to just sit back and, like, wait. Because, like, I'm with you in everything you do, whether it's a transition or whether it's in something that you never thought you'd be in. Like, he's there in every single detail. And I think the biggest thing he's shown me lately is, like, he's still with me in the waiting Mm. and in the transition. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you so much for sharing. I love your heart and for real, like... We talked about this. I, I asked you, I was like, you see the world differently than other people do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and we've talked about that lens that you're like, yeah. that it really is a unique lens that everyone can attain and can have. But it's like, you see the world, I feel like, through like the heart of the Father. But it's because yeah. you've spent a lot of time with God too, to be able to see that. When I'm around people like you, and I have other friends that I feel this way too, it makes me want to become more like God. 
So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for having me. Oh my gosh, I loved it. I am so thankful that Asa was willing to come on Still With You and share. It, it truly is no other way to say it than she's just unafraid in reaching out to people and loving them unconditionally. I admire her so much. And guys, are we not excited to hear how her 2019 is going to turn out? Anytime we take a step in obedience, you know, God is going to be so faithful. So if you think of her, pray a blessing over this year for her as she is in a season of waiting and figuring it out. How cool is it that she's just as much excited about this as she is for like working at a dream center or launching a church campus. She is, she's excited to see what God has for her. And I'm just so thankful for this beautiful friend of mine. So if you love listening to Still With You, I would love it if you would subscribe. You can do this on iTunes. I would love it if you could leave a review. That would be the best thing because the more reviews we have, the more traffic this show will get. And the more people who listen to this, the more people will feel encouraged. The music that you're hearing in the background is from my wonderful friend, Christy Macing. All links to her music and ways you can connect with her are in the show notes. You can also just go to christymacing.com. Speaking of show notes, all of the show notes are now on my website. In this episode, you're going to get all the links to the Woodlawn movie, Highlands College, Church of the Highlands, all the things that will lead you straight to Birmingham or straight to Outreach. (laughs) But you can find them on my website. Another way to connect with me is through Instagram. My handle is at Coley Browning. That's K-O-H-L-I-E-M Browning like the rifle. Feel free to DM me or comment on one of the posts. I would love to be friends with you. It's one of my favorite things. Okay, I think that wraps up episode 27. I am so thankful again for Asa being on the show. I'm excited to see where God is doing this sewing in my heart on why I'm so fascinated with doing something that I've never done before, which is wanting to be bold in the most loving way in my faith. So let's go into this world and be bold, be brave, be you, and remember that he is still with you.